there, Jacob. It has been some time since I've been on the pod. I appreciate Correct. you and Evan uh, throwing me under the bus for <laughs> the a good portion of the first uh, or of the first episode that I wasn't on. Uh, so that was last episode, and quite frankly, probably the best and most coherent episode. Oh well, if that's the case, then man, you can buy Evan can buy me out. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> while we're, while while the getting's still good, um, no, it's a it's a it's a pleasure to be back and chatting with you. Uh, I saw you the other day. Yep. Good time, good time in Huntingdon. Was helping Harry out with some projects, and it's always good to swing by and have a have a beer and and just chat. Yeah. So it, that was and, sort of a, a treat. And now you have uh, another treat in your life in the form of a new puppy. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> we have a new puppy <laughs> named Farley. Farley is a right now a 12-week-old golden retriever. So we have Mopsy, Farley, and Dorcas. Farley is the newest addition to the Ulrich household here. And uh, we're very excited. As as we're talking about animals, the door just opened up uh, yep. in your room. So there's uh, <laughs> the big brown dog. Yeah, Brownie came to say hi. Yeah, so um, lots of animals. So Honestly, these pets are doing great. They're uh, running around, romping around. It's good for both Mopsy to to not sleep all day, and and the puppy, of course, is learning from one of the best dogs we've ever had. I mean, Mopsy's amazing, as you know. So, and they're um, getting along. The and whole, they're getting the along, and of course, the fam. cat Dorcas. Uh, there was a little bit of uh, the first couple of days of playing, and and not really whapping with the claws out but definitely some whapping at the tails you know mm. farley has a pretty big tail for his size and uh so there's been some constant cat noises you know but it's sure. all good it's all good life's good we uh we're enjoying it and are having fun and it'll be fun to uh train this dog yeah i'm excited to meet farley yeah you haven't you haven't met him yet yeah, yeah. He's, he's a good maybe, one. Maybe uh maybe Farley will like me more soon than Mopsy does currently. Mopsy well, loved me at first. Well, but then you I smell got brownie. like the big brown dog. Yeah, you smell like brownie. Yeah. She's not exactly the most the biggest fan of brownie, but Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get we'll, we'll definitely come to a neutral there. site. <laughs> and right. uh they can air their grievances. Sure, sure. Or Mopsy can air her grievances and Brownie can <laughs> in love yeah yeah so a lot has happened in the past couple of weeks um but i think what we want to chat about today is actually something that's been um kind of cooking in in our pot uh we've been really looking into it and i know you're a huge fan of you know storytelling within uh video games and such i am not i don't know what gave you that idea <laughs> i'm not well rehearsed in that i mean honestly the video games that I grew up playing with friends were just like, you know, not narrative based or uh, story based games. They were just community multiplayer games like you know, first person shooters and stuff, yeah. uh, which are fun for some your time. Call of Duties. Yeah, your Call of Duties, your Battlefields, your Fortnite for some time. And so honestly, this is a different level of game in the type of stuff that you're doing. I mean, uh, so so I'm hoping t that this conversation uh, will bring out, you know, our whole idea of creative storytelling is huge. And there's a whole component of that within video games that is largely missed outside of the video game community, right? I, yeah. I mean, I would think so 
as I'm on sort of the edge of that community, as I, you know, I play games with friends every once in a while, you know, when a new game comes out, we'll play it a little bit, but it's definitely not the wake up and grind out this story and do all of the side missions and stuff to really build out and understand the character development within the video game. That's just not what I grew up doing. And I know that that's something that you're interested in. So I hope uh, in this episode, we can sort of dive into that and I want to learn a lot about, um, you know, why that's fun to you, right? And and mm. and how you can grind out a fifteen hour, twenty four hour game, and you know still get excited and have the same kind of emotions that we can have when reading a book or watching a movie or or watching a short film or something like that. Because those that's a long period of time to invest in something. Uh, and for me, that's yep. just not my cup of tea, but I'm very interested in what you think about that. And and I'm hoping you can sort of tell some of the games that are on your list to play, some that you're playing, and why they're on that list, right? So I know those were, yep. that was a lot of questions, and I know we're just getting into it. <laughs> but I want can you can you start by just telling us about your love of game gaming, how you got into specific types of games, uh, and then we can go from yep. there. Yeah, so... I mean, obviously, when we were talking about recording this episode, like, oh, what are we going to do for episode 53? And you said, oh, we haven't really talked about, like, video game storytelling yet. How about that? And I was like, I thought you never asked. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I, I should preface this by saying I am by no means an expert in, uh, like, the process of actually creating the story in video games it is something that i would like to do uh -huh. at some point is actually like be a narrative designer or writer for a game i think that would be a super cool job to have um uh but obviously i don't have the first-hand experience which i mean really neither of us do in most of the things that we talk about anyways so it's fine mm -hmm. uh <laughs> but uh yeah i i guess i started off uh early when i was born in 1997 uh I, obviously i wasn't playing games as soon as i was born but my dad had uh, a nintendo 64 and so they're basically the big games that i grew up with there are like mario okay. super mario 64 zelda ocarina of time donkey kong 64 which is super underrated uh all those things um and then, like, we had a Game Boy, we got a PS2 when that generation of the consoles came out, and then it was basically just a, a journey of going from, like, hey, I like just the platforming, fun, jumping stuff on Mario, which never has historically had much of a story. It's like, hey, you are Mario, you need to save the princess from this weird turtle dragon dude. Uh, and that's really it. You just, you know, go through jumping o over a bunch of stuff uh, until you get to the end. Uh, but when I started really noticing the story uh, of games was probably uh, the PS2 era. Uh, there is a, a extremely nerdy uh, Japanese role-playing game series called Kingdom Hearts. Uh, and so I, I played the first one. We It was one of those games where we rented it over and over from the local uh, place. Uh, it wasn't a blockbuster. It was called Movie Gallery. And then 
obviously with the rise of streaming and all that it went out of business pretty quickly um <laughs> but uh yeah so we would rent it over and over from there and i loved the story uh because the gimmick of that is it's combining final fantasy which is a historic uh japanese rpg with disney characters mm -hmm. uh it's just a super random thing uh of like why would you ever possibly think to combine <laughs> these like oil and vinegar kind of things uh but for some reason it just worked on me uh, and I loved it, and I still love that series, as convoluted as it is now, where it's like, there are still Disney and Final Fantasy things, but it has its own, like, original cast of characters, and it's a whole weird timeline, light versus dark, stereotypical anime kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, especially in uh, high school, is when I actually started, like, feeling more things with games okay. uh and so i think just jumping ahead one of the biggest games for me where i realized oh you can make stories with games and have it hit people super hard uh which i mentioned briefly last week with evan uh is the last of us uh which came out initially in 2013 on the playstation 3 um and has been remastered and it's on the ps4 and they're doing a full scale remake uh coming out on ps5 in september uh and so that is kind of like to me it's like the marquee of storytelling in video games uh it's basically the the premise of it is uh the game itself is like a survival third person action horror kind of thing where you're playing as joel who is this guy who is surviving 20 years in a like zombie apocalypse, basically. Uh, and then he has to escort this girl uh, that he doesn't know across the country. Um, I've never been huge into zombie stuff, even though that was a huge fad uh, really throughout our like high school years, probably um, and probably even middle school. Uh, but what's really cool is just the opportunity that this game had to, really just make this a story about the relationship between this old dude who lost his daughter at the beginning of the uh, outbreak uh, and this young teenager who uh, like they don't get along at first, but then just seeing their relationship evolve mm -hmm. throughout the course of, you know, spending 20 hours with these two characters uh, and just the, the mastery that uh, the studio naughty dog had in developing those characters where you know you have the cutscenes when you're going from place to place where you don't have any inputs like you're not moving the the analog stick you're not pressing any buttons to make things go but when you are in the world going out like collecting ammo and stuff like that like these two characters just talk to each other and you can initiate conversations when you're in a location that maybe you didn't have to go to and so i think the big thing for me about you know storytelling in video games is uh just the way that they give you agency over the characters mm -hmm. as opposed to uh you know just watching a movie and you don't have a say in the way th that things happen you're just watching things play out and you're along for the ride and obviously i love that i love movies and i don't think there's anything wrong with that but i think what's just unique about 
the video game experiences you spend so much time with these characters in some games you even make the choices as if you are embodying the character uh and it just allows you to get more attached and and relate to these characters in a way that other traditional media doesn't allow Mm -hmm. uh and so i think that really those kinds of games like the last of us uh are what really have drawn me to uh you know those kinds of games where you are engaged in in the story in that way if that makes any sense no that makes complete sense i think one of the reasons why it's uh so entertaining for you uh and uh, I'm, i'm making an assumption so correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like you have that the um I mean, that's fun for you to, to build out the story, get connected with the character in a way that, you know, like you said, you can't do it in other forms of media uh, like movies and TV and stuff. You can connect with the character by sympathizing, uh, but in when you are in, uh, you know, choosing an adventure, when you are choosing from multiple choices of what that character can do, it's a different level of immersion, right? And I... And yeah. And that's a type of game that it takes a certain type of player to enjoy, right? Do you think you're you, you think that it's elevated your love for those types of games are elevated uh, because of your love for movie and script writing and character development within other other media forms? Uh, yeah, I think uh, like in Last of Us, you don't have any choice in anything that goes on you're okay. just observing okay. and being parts of these decisions but there are games where you are making choices uh one that comes to mind is uh a game called infamous second son uh which came out uh i don't think it was a launch title for the ps4 but it was pretty soon after uh and that was like i think 2014 ish uh and that's a game where basically you you know have superpowers shocker that i'm into that uh and uh you basically are on like kind of the this good versus evil path and you can make the decision to be the good guy or you know do the more evil sinister thing and sometimes that stuff for me is hard harder to get into because uh i think like you really see the seams i guess is is what i'm uh trying to say where uh it's you know the extremes of you are either the super good guy or the super bad guy uh whereas i think now that especially as technology is improving and the you know ability to develop video games where you can have these like long interconnected uh storylines that you can make individual choices um you know it's not just like you did the bad thing or you did the good thing it's it's a little bit more gray uh, nowadays mm-hmm. but infamous was a game where you did that kind of stuff where you were choosing to like either spare a life or kill someone uh okay. or in that kind of vein and so i do i do love you know that idea of being able to embody the character i think it is just kind of a tricky balancing act of making sure it's not just a, a black and white scenario uh, right uh, i think one game that does it especially well that i actually just played uh at the beginning of this year uh with harry is uh the witcher 3 uh wild hunt uh which um it was because i watched the the netflix show and got super into it and harry loved it as well uh and so in that game you are uh 
really making every decision. Like you have a choice in all the dialogue. Uh, you have a choice in, you know, the simple stuff. Well, not simple, but the, the stuff where it's like either spare someone or kill them or whatever. But sometimes you have choices that aren't that simple where like you, you choose to, uh, you know, pursue these people who are running away or these enemies that are running away or stay and help the, the people that you're leaving behind. And you don't know what the consequences of that will be mm -hmm. until mm -hmm. later on when they reveal themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that kind of interactivity where you get to make these choices and sometimes they're not even, you know, the main story of the game. They're just like a side quest uh, or a side mission where it's just this, this minor thing that affected you. And maybe this one person won't show up at the end of the game anymore for mm -hmm. you and things like that. Um, so I, I really, I, I see value in, in both ways of either the straight through narrative or the multiple branching paths. Uh, but yeah. Hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. I, I, I hope so. I don't, I don't know any of the games that you just said, which goes to show <laughs> how different our sort of gaming experiences are. So if this is of any interest to you, I mean, it just goes to show that a lot of folks are just labeled a gamer because of the fact that they play an Xbox or play on a PS PlayStation or have a computer, right? And every, and every once in a while we'll play games. And yet there's a whole nother level of just media consumption and, and you know, storytelling and figuring out how to do things, uh, complicated tasks and stuff uh, that are just on the screen. And honestly, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, um, and, and I don't think there's anything, you know, wrong, if, if, like, if you're just doing, like, I, for example, I, I was just thinking about, you know, games where there isn't necessarily a story, like, uh -huh. uh, there's a game called Rocket League uh, that oh, we right. played in our house a lot, well, you never really partook because uh, you were too cool for us, but uh, <laughs> me, Quinter, Owen, and Jacob Latour would just play Rocket League. It's just soccer with cars and stuff like that. Or Call of Duty, we would, you know, play during 2020 or 2021 a little bit uh, with a group. Um, but that's that's where, a social thing, right? That's a yeah, social thing. Yeah, there are those kinds of things where yeah. you're not so much looking for the story. But there still is narrative design in a lot of these games. I mean... The game serves at, a, per a different purpose, though. The game serves yeah. a purpose to bring people together and enjoy it. Whereas some of the games you're playing aren't necessarily about bringing people together. Now, I will say streaming games and with Twitch and YouTube Live and all yeah. of these Facebook Live and stuff, people are playing these single-player games and it's to it in an to an audience, whereas it didn't necessarily used to be that way. Um, and it, it definitely focuses, it's a different focus. Bringing folks, bringing people together to play m m multiplayer games and stuff is definitely different than you playing Witcher. Or, or you playing whatever game you were playing this past weekend. What was that called? It's past, oh, Final Fantasy IX. Right? Like yeah. that, that is a game that I would never touch. And it's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not because it didn't, it, it just, it didn't look like something I do. I only ever really played games with friends because it was a social thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, also, I will say, Final Fantasy IX is an old PS1 game from, like, the year 2000, so it might not have been visually appealing either, uh, although I, no, I at times, love, like, the, that old-school art style uh, when people, like, use it now for nostalgia's sake. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think there still are, in those games, like, some good work that writers will put in uh, to the narrative, whether, you know, if you're just writing the story, like Call of Duty games have campaigns where you're going through a story mode, but even like Warzone, which is, if you don't know, it's like a battle royale thing, like Fortnite, just through the the uh, Call of Duty lens, where it's just like 100 people drop down onto an island and, you know, you have to be the last one standing. Uh, even details like environment design that maybe you don't necessarily think of, there's still writing going on there uh i think of one game that excels in environment design which i talked about at some point on the podcast by brownie um uh, uh elden ring which is really all about environment design and uh item descriptions to really understand the full scope of the story because mm-hmm. like there are some cutscenes, like when you're going in to fight bosses like these crazy medieval magic people uh but really to get the full extent of like what's going on in this weird weird world is just looking like if you're going through a castle you can look around you and see oh uh like there's some guy like there's a skeleton in a chair and so that might tell you uh you know maybe they're being tortured maybe if you like pick up an item uh, and it's like a gun. Maybe they like had their last stand here, but it didn't survive and things like that. Mm-hmm. And just the little things that, that I think are still important to, to take note of um, that really people don't notice, myself included, might not notice it on the first time through. And I think that stuff is really important, too. Wait, so you, I'm going to just pick up on something that you said. So there's a couple yeah. of things I want to dissect in that. But one is that... Do you, uh, well, it makes sense to me now, but some of these games are meant to be played through more than once because of such of the fine detail. That's just mind boggling that somebody would spend the time to do that. But honestly, if it, if it is that detailed and you are specifically looking for Easter egg type things, right? Hidden, hidden messages and stuff that pull together a a different storyline or something. I mean, that is just a different level of. Uh, gaming experience, yeah, that, you know that that I really wouldn't do. Yet there's millions of people that that do, right? Um, so that's one thing. And then additionally, I, I know I wanted to ask you this because I'm just I'm curious. A lot of games in the past five or so years and moving forward. And, and again, correct me if I'm wrong because I I didn't really grow up playing too many games. But a lot of games uh, rely on some movie-like cinematic cutscenes that portray and set the tone of what your character is going to be doing again a largely a very you know similar to what a, a call of duty campaign style thing but lots of other games do this well there'll be five minutes of movie-like action where you have no control you're just you're consuming and then it places you into the character as soon as that cutscene's done, what what are your takes on those cutscenes? Are you for them? I mean, it seems like mm-hmm. a lot of games, you know, have so much time in cutscenes developing the story that you're you're not necessarily playing as much. 
What are your thoughts on that? And and, and am I just too scoped in on certain types of games uh, to really understand it? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I I am all for for that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, developed by the same uh, team that did Last of Us, Naughty Dog. Uh, they previously did the Uncharted series, which, uh, if you haven't heard of the games, you might have heard of the movie that just came out in February, starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. That's what that's based off of, is that movie is based off of the game. And those games are an interesting case where they really do act as just like this super cinematic experience. Uh, mm-hmm. Think of it as like an Indiana Jones type thing. You're this, you know, cool... Uh, quick-witted guy who also like hunts treasure and, and loves history and is just a nerd in that regard uh, and you're just going around on these adventures just finding cool treasure or, like finding what's the flagellon or something is that the name of one of, one of those explorers uh, oh, I don't know you know like uh, just this lost ship from like the 1400s uh-huh. Uh, while you're being chased by bad guys. And those, by and large, are just cinematic experiences where, you know, you have these cutscenes where you're getting a lot of the dialogue and learning about the motivations of the characters and things like that. Uh, and then uh, you do a lot of the action once the cutscene's over where you're running and gunning and, and doing these, like, elaborate things. Um, these, like, elaborate action set pieces. Uh and I think that those are great because mm-hmm. it still allows you to get to know those characters on a more personal level that you might not achieve uh, if it was just a movie. I mean, I already mentioned that Uncharted did become a movie. I still haven't watched it. I want to, uh, even though I hear it's like just kind of middling. Um, but I like Tom Holland and I, I love the Uncharted game. So I want to give it a shot. It's on Netflix next month at some point. Um mm-hmm. But uh, I think, like, if you're watching the movie, you know, you get the, you know, fun Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg banter. If it is fun, we'll see. Uh, But when you're doing the game, you know, you're not just getting the story from these cutscenes. You're still getting dialogue between the characters as you're, like, running through this forest away from a horde of, like, mercenaries or something like that. Or maybe you're trying to solve this puzzle because a big part of, the, of those games are uh, is solving puzzles based on like the history and like these super complex mechanisms that somehow they built in the 1400s uh and uh yeah it's just you you get this cool dialogue that either builds up uh nathan drake the main character like his love for history uh or you're getting the relationship between nathan drake and sully who's like his older mentor uh and maybe you're getting an insight into a relationship uh just as you're you know exploring the world and and doing these things uh and so yeah i'm i'm all for the cinematic experience if that's what the developers want to do it's just uh, a matter of executing on that vision in a way that is still interesting to play as opposed to like if you see a scene like a cutscene. Uh, and some like elaborate action things happen. Action thing happens. It's like, well, why couldn't I have played that? Like that would have been fun to do. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just kind of that that balancing act, I guess. Um, but yeah, Kingdom Hearts is another one where that like that is hours of cutscenes. 
right. just trying to explain all the weird sci-fi stuff going on and again i said i love it despite how convoluted it can be um and you know th- those are the types of <laughs> the uh those are the times where i play through the game waiting for the next cutscene so that i can learn more and things like that so yeah i think there's absolutely room for the cinematic cutscene experience the environmental storytelling of things like elden ring the choices that you get in the witcher things like that all of it all right jacob so i have a little game that i want to play with you here i looked up a, a series of questions about video games titled video game conversation questions okay and so what what i'm going to do is i'm going to ask you these questions and i want you to give me a short answer some of them are going to be very hard to give short answers but for the sake of time give me as short and concise of an answer as you can give yeah uh and then we'll go on to the next question does that sound good <laughs> yeah this this feels like like a teen vogue thing where it's like oh, yeah. 10 questions to ask if they're into you and things yep, like yep. That. that's exactly what this is okay are you ready yeah Okay, here we go. Some of some of these questions, let me just say, some of these questions you've already kind of answered, and so you can still give us the brief, the brief answer. So, the first question is: Do you like video games? Why or why not? Here we go. Uh, yes, because they're fun and can have impactful stories. Fantastic. Question two: <laughs> Do you play video games these days? How much time per week do you spend playing them? I don't want to answer that. <laughs> yes, I do st- still play games, usually okay. after work for a couple hours. Yeah. Okay, so if we a lot more on the take weekends. the data here, let's say you play we for don't five, have to count it out. five. Okay, we won't do that. <laughs> Some people, oh, here's a good one, Jacob. Here's a good one. Some people say that video games are a waste of time. Now, the next answer is: Do you agree or disagree? I'm going to imagine that you're going to say you disagree. But I would like you to uh, build an answer behind that. Why would you disagree with that statement? Well, yeah, so a lot of people might see games as a waste of time where it's like, why you could be doing something else. Uh, But really, it's a a similar thing where it's like, why, you know, you might be binging a Netflix show. You might go watch a movie, something like that. You might read a book. It's not any different from that. You're still enjoying and appreciating this artistry whether it is right the writing whether it's the environment design whether it's the programming uh to make the game feel as good as it does to play and all those things and it's just another avenue to appreciate people's work have you learned anything from a video game or bettered yourself from playing a video game as as a antidote or as a a push-off point from saying play a video game versus reading a book that's a great question um I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to try to think of a specific example. Um, there are multiple things that you can learn depending on what game it is that you're playing. Like if you're playing games like Last of Us or uh, there's another game that I'm thinking of called Mother 3, which is also one of my favorites. It was Japan only, but someone did a fan translation to English mm-hmm. uh, where I learned a lot about storytelling. And so I better myself that way where it gave me more tools that I could use in, in my own personal work but there are other games where you know it might be improving uh like uh there are games that are focused around fitness there are games that are focused around uh cooking there are games that are just you know 
kind of have good lessons to take away, right. uh, just life lessons and things like that, um, that you can translate into your own life, uh, you know, however you choose it. Right. And th- th- I'm not going to, we won't further this anymore, but I, I will add that a lot of people and a lot of research is finding that if we gamify things, people actually tend to learn about them faster yeah. than a traditional learning method or teaching method. Uh, and so, you know, as I work in higher ed and, and you are there too, you're noticing that games are, are being a, are being incorporated as a larger part of the teaching and learning that's happening in higher ed and in, and in high schools um, and, and, and lower uh, like elementary and middle schools as we turn things into games People really latch on to information, and I would be curious at how much of that is translated into the actual video game industry and, and culture, really. Yeah, Duolingo. Right, exactly. It's a, I gamify mean, it's a phone something app, but, and, they, but they gamify a lot of that where you're like right. leveling up and, and things like that. Yeah. Right. Okay, so on to the next one. That's a good conversation we could have another time. Game, game, gamification, is that the word? Yeah. Yeah, so we could have that conversation another time, maybe with somebody who... Uh, Maybe with someone else. We'll have a guest on the show. Anyways, on to the next question. Here's a good one. What's your favorite all-time game and why is it great? Now, you don't have that long to answer this question, so... I'm going to say uh, The Last of Us Part 2 is how I'm feeling now. My favorite might change depending on the day, but I've been thinking about The Last of Us Part 2 for a while. Uh, And so, yeah, it is a continuation of the first game, but it also just deals with a lot of you know great well not great it's incredibly dark uh but just delves into a lot of interesting themes uh that i won't spoil because it truly is an experience that you should have on your own uh but also in addition to that it is fun to play and the attention to detail uh that the developers give where you're going through and fighting all these people and they all have individual names and uh like animations as you're you're Mm -hmm. going through and things like that cool yeah Wonderful. Uh, what was the first game you ever played, and when did you play it? Uh, it could be a lot of things. I'm just going to take a guess that it was The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, probably when I was like four or five. Cool. Uh, what type of games are good for playing alone, and what are uh, good for playing with other people? Uh, types of games? Uh I mean, I'd say like RPGs. Uh, okay. Where what's that? What's that stand for? That stands for role-playing games. Okay. Uh, and so often you are either inhabiting this existing character, or in a lot of cr- cases you are uh, creating your own character. Like you're building the model, you're naming them, and things like that. Uh, where you know you have the opportunity uh, to level up and just explore a huge world and uh, learn about the. Uh, world i guess that's the the writers have developed uh and established a huge network of lore uh mm-hmm. but also those can be fun to play with other people i mean i mentioned playing uh the witcher with harry um but also there's like the social games that that are great to play i mean rocket league uh destiny is a fun one mm-hmm. um yeah uh, i guess uh there's a lot of cool cooperative games that you can do that it's just a good cool way to connect with people again Cool. What device do you play most of your games on? Uh, PlayStation 5 or Nintendo Switch. Very cool. Um, well, m- this is a good question. I don't know if you would run into this, um, maybe from some of your choir trips and with homestays, but um, how do you see or what type of 
what is the video game experience abroad? Maybe you don't know the answer to this, but yeah, I don't know. Never. I wonder uh, if they're largely folks are largely playing the same games that are mainstream. You think? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd assume so. There was a, a funny thing. This isn't really answering the question, but I just remember uh, during a choir tour, there were uh, we were at a layover in Paris, and me and Evan Birch, previously on the podcast. Uh, they had like game stations set up in the airport, and so we played FIFA sure. for a little bit, which was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, here's a good one. Uh, and again, keep this short. Um, do video or how do video games help develop skills, mental or physical skills? Uh, how do the how do they help players uh, develop these different different kinds of skills to go through life? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's the stereotypical like, oh, you improve your hand-eye coordination, which like, sure. Uh, but also, you know, I mentioned playing games where I love the stories that might improve my own storytelling capabilities. Uh, there are puzzle games uh, such as Tetris, or there's a story-based puzzle game series called Professor Layton, where uh, they just help you find new ways to approach, you know, problem solving in the real world uh, and things like that. Sure. Very nice. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, and again, this could be changing and I may be just too zoned in on certain types of games. But this question, again, I didn't come up with the question, but I think it, it's a good <laughs> one for you, to, for you to ask. So it seems like a lot of video game players, main characters are male. Um, how mm, do you see yeah. this affecting video games? And um, and is it representative of video gamers out there? Uh, I wouldn't say it's representative of you know the video gaming community, but it is representative of the issue at large where you know it's it is typically just a lot of (laughs) white dudes that you're playing as which don't give agency to players who might not be white dudes uh and so you know that doesn't mean that they don't enjoy uh that other people don't enjoy those games uh but i think in improving that uh like diversity in who you get to play as which creating your own character and things like that definitely help um, but just, you know, lets other people feel agency in games and see themselves represented, but also gives the white dudes an opportunity to, you know, see the world through someone else's lens that isn't a white dude. Right. Yeah. Right. Good. I like that. Um, here's a good one. Um, and you may, again, may or may not be interested in this, but it says virtual reality systems are gaining popularity. Of course, we've seen a lot of that with headsets and stuff coming out. Uh, are you excited about the potential of this, uh, or is this going to disrupt the video game community as we know it now? Uh, I don't think it's going to disrupt. I am hesitant just because of you know the accessibility and process of like setting up one of those headsets and things yep. like that. I haven't had too much hands-on experience, and I would like to like at some point maybe get one of those VR systems. Uh, but uh, yeah, it definitely is cool and adds another layer. But uh, Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if I foresee VR taking over uh, in the next like 10 years or something like that. Right. I can kind of speak a little bit to it. Um, again, different people will have different experiences, but for work, we do a lot of stuff with virtual reality. Uh, and so we have the meta, the, we have the meta headsets or the, the quest twos, whatever they're calling it. Um, and, you know, I can stay within a VR environment for, probably about a half an hour before it just starts to feel a little kind of car sick. Like it's just sure, disorienting. Yeah. And again, a lot of these video game gamers are definitely playing longer than a half an hour. I mean, imagine playing one of your games, your story driven game, single player role playing right. games 
only for a half an hour and then like taking a break and then playing for another just that's not that's not how those games are developed to be played and so again i I think i agree with you on that i don't think vr can really uh replicate that or or it's a solid solution for something like that interesting okay oh here's a good one we will um actually we'll end it on this one there's a couple other questions but i don't want to dive into the politics of the question unless unless you're up for it Hmm. are you ready for it yeah Okay, so I'll actually do this other one, and, and if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. So this says some video games are very violent. Do you think that they influence people to be violent uh, in real life? And again, if you don't want to talk about this, you don't have to, but I think it's important uh, as a video gamer yourself to hear your input. And I know it's sort of mainstream to talk about this because it's a talking point for a yeah. certain group of, of folks. Um, but w- what are your thoughts on that? Uh I mean, not like if you've listened to this podcast, you might be like, "Well, obviously, he's going to say they don't make you violent, right?" Uh, but they don't. There is research and there are studies that prove this. I honestly will not be able to quote any of them off the top of my head, but I have seen enough to know that it is not a factor. There are far more factors in life that will make someone yeah. violent, uh, and that kind of thinking, quite honestly, that. Uh, it's like, oh, this is the one reason why someone became violent. Right. That's probably going to make more people violent than the video game itself and things like that. And yeah, there is a lot to dive into there. But uh, yeah, stop stop using the livelihood of so many great creators uh, to fuel your talking point, please. Good stuff. I like that. Okay. And lastly, uh, and this will be a good one. Um, and maybe this is a couple. Uh, is there an upcoming game that you're looking forward to play? What is it? Uh, what do you expect from it? And again, like I said, this may be one or two games. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I, I have a couple that came to mind immediately. Uh, so uh, Final Fantasy, we mentioned. It's a Japanese role-playing game uh, series. There's a game called Final Fantasy VII uh, that came out in 1997. And they recently did a remake of uh, the first one of the first parts of that game in 2020 and i loved it it's one of my favorite games uh and they're doing part two uh of that and it's coming out next year uh and that's also a great case of storytelling but also uh it doesn't do exactly what the original game does it really redevelops the story in a new and interesting way and i'm excited to see that continued uh and also the legend of zelda breath of the wild is getting a sequel uh that we don't know when it's coming out for sure we assume it's going to be next year uh, but uh, that first game is a really cool open world experience where uh, you really get to just see the 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 landscape like socially culturally of this world that Nintendo created, uh, and also just you know see how it evolved over the course of a hundred years and things like that. So those are the two that I'm most excited for probably. There are probably others that are actually coming out this year that I don't remember, but whatever. Sure, very cool. So as you can see. Uh, um, Jacob's very passionate about his games. Yeah, the games that are uh, that you know he's revisiting from the past, the games that are coming out here in the future, and I think it represents a different type of gamer. Uh, that I don't think I don't think every gamer can be put in a certain grouping. Uh, there's just such a wide variety of games, such a wide. Uh, the community is a very diverse community and it's becoming yeah. more diverse in the, the types of games people like to play, but the community as a whole are the types of people who are getting into games. And I think that it's starting to move in the right direction, at least game-wise, of you know representing the, the folks who are playing the games. I, at least, is that is that 
correct to say that it's at least moving in the right direction? Yeah, I'd say so. There are, you know, there are a lot of cases of workplaces. That's one thing that the the video game industry is struggling right now. Uh, honestly, a couple of factors where the studios themselves who are developing these games uh, are, you know, dealing with issues of crunch, which is basically where uh, employees work like 60 hour weeks for the last yeah. like two or three months of the game's development to make sure that it comes out on time for whenever their like publisher says that it needs to be done uh, and there are some companies that are doing a really great job to address that but that's a problem uh, there are recent stories of uh, you know people sexual abuse and misconduct and things like sure. that some of these workplaces sure. uh, and I think there is a lot of work to be done within these workplaces but i think by and large the gaming community uh, is you know moving in the right direction with the types of games that we're seeing uh and the amount of perspectives and stories that people are able to communicate whether it's a big budget like you know hundreds of people working on this game or this independent uh developer where it's just like a team of two people who are just putting together this passion project and things like that right very cool yeah i think another conversation we can have another time but just to sort of Put it in context now uh you know 10 years ago or 15 years ago before major patch releases and stuff just occurred through the internet right. i think games were developed in a different fashion and they had a different timeline and yeah. now it's almost like people expect games at the same time of the year every year which again influences that crunch which would make sense yeah. because if you it's similar to like the iphone Right, you're expecting a new iPhone or a new gadget to be released every year, and so Apple has now told its customers that every year there's going to be something new, very similar to some video games, right? And so it, and so maybe less time is spent on developing everything because they know they can just immediately push out an update when they need to be a bug fix or something. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but at least this is the way I see it, right? Do you yeah. do you think do you agree that? And maybe you're not, maybe we're not old enough to see that change or that shift between sending out a product that is completely done because it's not connected to the internet and won't have any patch updates to yeah. to the games that are out now. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because there's a phrase in uh, game development called uh, going gold. Mm -hmm. uh, so like, hey, The Last of Us uh, has gone gold. That basically means that the game is done they can now start printing copies of the game to ship out okay. to stores. Uh, but yeah, like now in probably since like the PS3 or PS4 era, they have day one patches where it's like, hey, we've gone gold, but now we have to put out this patch, sure. uh, like develop it and, and send it out in the next month while they're producing uh, to actually make sure that the game runs <laughs> uh, for real uh, or runs well at least. Um so yeah, it is an interesting case, uh, and you know, with you know those kinds of scenarios where it is the publisher saying you need to have it done by this date, it's you know the shareholders saying we want money, so it needs to release by the end of December, or right? Something like yeah, that. Uh, and that creates all kinds of problems. But hmm. yeah, it's a Very it's cool. a wild world out there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, enough of this for now. Um, we're getting close <laughs> to our time. I think uh, we should go over some definitely not procrastinating. Uh, and we can continue this conversation. I'm sure it will pop up throughout our other, you know, shows that we have. Uh, I just think it's fascinating, and I'm glad that we got to talk about this. I know you're very passionate about it. No, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for giving me this platform, Nate. <laughs> sure, sure.
Um, okay, Jacob. So, uh, you know, what is your definitely not procrastinating? Yeah, uh, I, I was trying to think. I feel like there are a few things that I've like played or watched uh, recently, but uh, the one that's not on the top of my mind is Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, the oh, sure. Disney Plus show. Um, Ewan McGregor, easily for me, the best part of the Star Wars prequels movies, uh, prequel movies, and so seeing him being able to re-enter this character, uh, as well as Hayden Christensen. Uh, getting a, another shot at the Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader character. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this series is really good. Some people have problems with, you know, some of the pacing or choices that they take. Honestly, like, yeah, there might be nitpicks uh, that I have for it. But I, I think some of the issues that you might see on the internet, like Star Wars fans are kind of terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it's a great show. And I think the, the finale has definitely stuck with me since it came out a week ago. Very cool. Very cool. I have to actually catch up on the last couple episodes. I watched the first couple and I got to catch up on the last couple. Um, very nice. My, uh, definitely not procrastinating is watching the, uh, newest season of Peaky Blinders. We, we Mm. watched, uh, we're rewatching. Is it the, how many seasons are there? Six now? Or five. Well, we we Feels rewatching like it's been going on for a while. It has. We've been we rewatched the last, the not the most recent season, the season before it, just to get back into it because it's been so long, like a year and a half or so, or two years, it felt like. Um, and so we're we're getting in to watch it. So I'm very excited. It's one of my favorite shows. Uh, I'm hoping that this type of show uh, doesn't do what a lot of other shows does, which is continue and just drag out. Um, mm. if they decide to finalize it, I'd be happy where it is. But again, if they leave us itching for more, that's fine. I just don't want to see 10 seasons of it. Right. Yeah. So who knows? Time will tell. Time will tell. Anyways, it was a pleasure speaking with you, Jacob, as always. Yeah. Good fun. And we are doing shows every other week now. Yes. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Yeah, Maybe I, we'll I, get I back in. I meant to mention that up top, but I forgot. But yeah, we sure, are going bi-weekly, if you didn't see, on social media. So uh, this will release on uh, July 1st. So our next episode will be July 15th. Uh, cool. And then be doing every other week after that. But yeah, Very cool. All right. Well, Jacob, you have a fantastic evening. You as well, Nate. You as well. Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find both artists in the description for this episode, along with links to our social media. If you'd like to be part of the show, you can email your questions, topics, brainbow suggestions, and more to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.